This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. So, uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we've, we've asked you to join us here on the prestigious uh, Greenbox podcast podcast because uh, you're working on a Kickstarter for a Delta Green-related uh, uh, movie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Thank you. It's, um, it's an honor to be called into the, to the Greenbox and get a chance to opine with my fine fellows. Just, just don't touch anything. <laughs> no problem. Don't, don't look. Don't even point. Right? You've looked long it's, enough. Don't make eye contact. Um. So the uh, the movie's called The Final Report of Henry Barrow. The script is written by Adam Scott Glancy, whose name should be familiar to you all, and it's based on a scenario for a role playing game written by Brett Kramer. And the plot involves two agents of a uh, kind of black ops secret agency that fights the supernatural. And it turns out that one of their uh, agents died, and these two characters need to clean out the uh, remains, the, the home of Henry Barrow, and make sure he didn't keep any souvenirs that could either incriminate the um, control group or uh, something that might have an occult significance. So... They go to his home and search it, and it turns out he has a cabin out in the desert that also needs to be investigated, and there are uh, lurking things out there. So it's, uh, it's a movie that stars Herbert Jefferson Jr., who played Boomer in the original Battlestar Galactica, a wonderfully talented actor, um, veteran for decades, and Brenda Gutierrez, who I met at, at a play that I did last year, and who's amazing, are going to be playing Agent Grimes and Agent Winifred, respectively. So that's the that's that's a quick short pitch. Uh, and uh, I think this goes without saying that the scenario, the Delta Green scenario, the related is called Last Things Last. If you're curious about it and you haven't heard about it, find it in the Need to Know, like the free the free Delta Green rule set. Give it away like that. Not going to let the audience ponder what it could possibly be. Thank you for coming to our Artifact Zero podcast, where we talk about the Artifact Zero movie. <laughs> no one would go to see it. Also, I I am hoping that you all appreciate my um, restraint about the use of the word boomer. Yes, I know the character it refers to, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's re- re- remarkable. So I guess so. I think the number one question on everyone's mind: uh, Does Henry Barrow's cabin have twenty-one gallon cans of gasoline at it? And if not. Why are you even perpetuating the sham? And by everyone, we mean the spe- specifically the one member of the Green Box who almost burned down his computer ranting about this. There, uh, there, there happens to be a septic tank in the back. That's that is true, and um, yeah, there might be some uh, cans of gasoline <laughs> lurking in uh, his little. And what ID- vault, what vault is the gas can store? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's not twenty single gallon cans, I feel like you've done a great disservice to the legacy of, I, I don't know uh, i don't know maybe it's uh, maybe it's a step in the direction of realism i was gonna say we're gonna just like for budget reasons we might have like four or five gallon uh, ta- uh cans uh, no, no 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 you have you have the same one gallon can but you just do multiple takes of it so that it looks like yeah. 20. <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh oh so and i guess 
uh, it's also worth noting, uh, if you want to give us a little brief background on yourself, uh, I assume you didn't just fall out of the sky and kickstart a movie. What, what have you been up to? I, I wish it was so fortunate. It might have made things easier, possibly. Yeah. Uh, no, I um, started filmmaking, actually. Let me see if I do this briefly. Um, when I was playing Call of Cthulhu uh, last century, um, and I read the Lovecraft stories after because of the game, because of Chaosium's game, and uh, when I read The Outsider, uh, I had a vision just like it just kind of appeared as how I could see it as a picture. And I ended up going to film school, Columbia College, Chicago, and ended up directing as part of a class project a movie called The Outsider. And it was accepted to the Chicago Underground Film Festival. But I connected to Andrew Migliori um, because he had a website in the Internet 1.0 days that listed Lovecraft movies, and I wanted to get mine listed on there because that would be a big deal to have your movie listed on a website. So I sent him my VHS tape of The Outsider, and I noticed that there was another Columbia College film there by John Streisick called The Music of Eric Zahn that uh, was listed, and I said, oh, can I see that? I haven't seen it. And um, Andrew, in the process of getting the tape from John, John said, well, why don't you get Aaron's movie and my movie in a feature, and you could do a film festival. So Andrew, being an enterprising lad, decided to do that. He paired us with um, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, that classic anthology Brian Yezna produced movie with Jeffrey Combs playing H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And that was the first H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, which is uh, in Portland, which is now 24 years strong. And because of the festival, uh, I said, oh, there's an outlet for movies, and I love Lovecraft movies, so I'll keep making these. And I made a, a couple of them. The Outsider, one called My Necronomicon, that was really short. Uh, kind of one of the big ones was Return to Innsmouth, that was based on The Shadow Over Innsmouth, and then The Yellow Sign, based on The Chambers movie. And my last one, many years ago, was called Call of Tutu, T-U-T-U, which is uh, you could see on on YouTube. So it's it's been a while. I can give kind of the history of how the final report of Henry Barrow landed on my desk with with Scott, if you want. But that's sort of the background that I've been doing Lovecraft type movies and other type movies for a while, and uh, wanted to get get back into it, get back into the swing of things. Yeah, because I I'd, I'd wondered whether you were a filmmaker who likes Delta Green or a Delta Green fan likes to make films or a Call of Cthulhu fan likes to make films, you know, which which kind of came first. So that's uh, kind of yes to that answer, but that's an interesting kind of background. Yeah, it was it was a Lovecraft fan who went to film school. Uh, I, I was in creative writing at UCLA, and then I wanted to graduate school because I, I was really into movies. So it was more Lovecraft fan since a teenager, and then, and then into movies, and then through Call of Cthulhu, which I continue playing, and then Delta Green. And I kept staying in touch. And it was at the film festival that I met Glancy. And we struck a friendship and kept talking. And after The Yellow Sign, which John Tynes co-wrote the script, uh, because he's really into Carcosa and The Yellow Sign, The King in Yellow. So Tynes wrote the uh, script for that. And Scott, uh, maybe a year after that came out or something like that, said, hey, I wrote the script. And just what do you think it would cost to make this? This was at least 10 years ago. And I said, wow, this is amazing, uh, but it's going to be like $20,000, $25,000 to make this. And, and I don't have that money. This was before crowdfunding. This is like, look, we can make this short film because it was a short and, and put it out. And then maybe in 10 years, we get our money back on DVD sales. And Scott said, understood. And then it just got shelved. But 
recently now we have Kickstarter and I uh, wanted to do a feature with a producing partner of mine, Ken Lobb, uh, who has camera equipment now. He's basically got his own little studio and he's like, let's do a movie. And I said, well, before we do a feature, I want to I want to do a short and get our feet wet, get me, you know setting camera angles and all that fun stuff again. So I said, let's do something. I go, I got this great script by Scott. Why don't you take a look at it and let's try it? Cause it's short, you know, two actors, just a couple locations. Um, I think we could pull this off. I think this would be great. So Ken loved it. I loved it. I said, Scott, you know, can we go with this? And Scott said, yeah, absolutely. And here we go. Here we are. Is it, is it that Ken Lob? Not that Ken Lob. No, it's the, uh, <sighs> not, not the famous Ken Lob. Not famous yet. Does does he does he get that question a lot? And does he like does has he has your Ken Lobb played Goldeneye? Uh, I I think I asked him when I when I met him years ago because there's another Ken Lobb in IMDb that that has a bunch of folks. I'm like, you this Ken Lobb? He's like, no. Um, he, his claim to fame actually is uh, he was one of the part of the pad of guys. Um, the pad of guys was was a house near UCLA that was rented in the '80s that um, the, the most famous people who come out of it was Fred Decker, who uh, directed Monster Squad and Robocop 3 and uh, Night of the Creeps, and a, a screenwriter named Shane Black, Shane Black, who did Lethal Weapon and all these other things now. But Ken, those, are, those were Ken's roommates. So he was, Ken's the nice. one that, you know, they went off to, to fame and fortune and, uh, and, and Ken went into web at the time he was doing like web design and stuff like that but then he always, he always wanted to be with movies he always wanted to do movies yeah it's uh it's a rather crushing career i did a little bit of film in my first abortive year of college took two semesters of college passed one class had, but I had a good time doing it um and i have a good friend who stayed in the film world uh she has not yet found success but she does amazing work but it's just I mean, it's brutal it's uh it's a very very much a game of numbers, I think. So, congrats to you to having you know made a few things and working with people and actually getting it done. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is like agents. It's it's a pretty thankless job. There's no fame. You can't get recognition. You certainly don't get paid. Yeah, it's it's like that. So you know when I, I mean Delta Green to me is still pretty niche. Uh, so. I would say, you know, the average person on the street, if I told them I did a podcast about Delta Green or Delta Green, they would have no clue what I'm talking about. So how did you find uh, two, two, you know, two actors who, like, how did you sell your actors on this weird niche role-playing game? Or, or were, were they aware of it before? Or did they just like the script? How'd that come about? It was the, uh, it was the script um, that started it. And, and I kind of pictured um, Brenda... Uh, who I worked with with the play, I think she might be good for this. These are all kind of things that are in my mind that are going on, kind of mulling about that I'm like, hey, I think we want to do this. And then I'm kind of thinking of actors. And I said, oh, Brenda was pretty good. Really, really good, I should say, in in uh, the previous play. And Herbert came around because I was doing, um, um, or I want to do a LARP, a science fiction LARP, kind of loosely inspired by Battlestar Galactica. And I've been working on that for, for years in the design stage because we essentially want to turn a World War II merchant marine ship into a spaceship. And I saw him at uh, San Diego Comic-Con at the autograph uh, alley, or, um, the autograph signing area. And I immediately go, ooh, this would, he would be perfect. He just, he, he's an older guy. He's really in shape. He's got this great resonant voice of like, I mean, there's just so much weight 
and articulation to it. I just, I just love that. I said, Oh my God, you would be perfect um, for it. But, but I saw him first at uh, Starship Selkit, tried to get him on with that. It didn't work, but then thought about the meeting and said, Hey, would you be interested in this? And so I sent him the script and he loved it. He loved the script and the concept and the idea and didn't know until later. I mean, he was, it was a script that got him in before I'm like, it's based on Delta green or inspired by that scenario etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And Brenda also was interested in that. She's the one who, for character backgrounds, been playing Call of Cthulhu. Um, I think she just played Delta Green with Sean Branny of the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. So that's her background, background research to this. But I usually tell people that this is X-Files, like uh, some people know the SCP Foundation, uh, Men in Black, the new History Channel Project Blue Book, so I kind of just reference this sort of all-encompassing idea of government agents combating the supernatural in some way. And everyone gets that. Everyone gets that. There's some mental real estate uh, in their head that's like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what that is. And they, and they get it from there. And that's really the crux of Last Things Last, Last Things Last as well. You don't really need to know a lot about Lovecraft and the mythology. You just know you're from a secret government agency. You need to clean up the things no one else can know about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And what's interesting, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick, is Scott's script is amazing. It really is. And, and we, we reworked it a bit. Um, the original script which was a big punch part of the budget involved a burning. <laughs> there was a big fire uh, for something related to 20 single gallon gas cans. And I'm like, dude, doing a burn is like way expensive, you know, safety and suit and all that, or we CG it and then it looks crappy. And so we, we kind of re were rejiggering it. And uh, at the Lovecraft Film Festival last year, Scott and I were talking about this and, and we're saying like, um, you know, maybe we don't see what's in the septic tank, the thing that's that's talking at them. Um, we don't need to see that. But Scott came out and said, you know, it doesn't matter what's in there because it could be a monster that jumps out like a, you know, perverted, dis distorted jack-in-the-box, or it's an innocent person who sees you, sees this whole thing, and reports the whole conspiracy. And no matter what, this person's got to burn. And that's what came in there and I read it. I'm like, oh man, I mean, that's that. And to me, that represents, you know, really like Delta green and some of these things that, that you have to do that. Yeah. I think uh, we've talked on the podcast before about what we like about last things last or don't like, but, and I think universally, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the scene of the house is kind of mundane and place setting, but the whole scenario runs around the, the moral dilemma the characters make with each other, you know, uh, when you're playing the game as a handle, you don't need to do too much to get them talking about should they or shouldn't they. And that's what makes Last Things Last a fun scenario. So I, I, I like it, but I don't know it. if I call it a moral dilemma because it has a pretty clear resolution. Like there's a right and wrong answer. It's yeah. more it's more like an act of, of deception than an actual moral dilemma. And I know that we got into this with the whole uh, um, Last Things Last to metamorphosis concept. Yeah, I can see it because I've, I've run Last and Glass a number of times and and uh, and try to bring in those elements of what what are we going to do here? Maybe it's not a moral dilemma, but it, it is or could be a dilemma depending on how how the players are taking their characters. In other words, are, are you someone who has your motivation to protect the innocent? And and if so, 
what if that's an innocent down there? Because if, if you don't know, once you know, you know, okay, this is what it is, then the, the, the solution becomes very clear. And this is actually one of the things I, I talk about often comparing Call of Cthulhu to Delta Green is that to me, Call of Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu, which I love and still play, uh, is very clear in that, all right, you have to shoot the tentacled monstrosity before it devours reality and every concept and hope of humanity in one fell swoop. Whereas Delta Green, I see, is you have to shoot your partner before they turn into a tentacled <laughs> monster that is going to devour humanity. And you don't know, maybe they're not, maybe they are. But but the idea of like, well, it's very clear that's a that's a monster. I had to roll sanity, shoot it. Well, that's easy. But what if like, okay, it appears totally human is saying, help me, help me. Okay, now are you going to shoot it? And I love in the the need to know last things last. You know that the, the handler is supposed to remind the players, like, look, you're going to take a violent sand loss. You know, if if you go with this, I love that. Like, there is a price to pay even for doing the right thing. And I I love that that is in embedded in in Delta Green as a system. I I just love what they've done with this new thing, Shane and Arc Dream, the whole Dennis, you know, with the whole crew. So obviously, you're not just. You know, you, you you didn't just play a game of Delta Green, write it down, and you're not shooting that for the movie. But is, is that a theme you're trying to to bring over in the film? And how, how does I mean that's, that's a complex theme when you're playing it in a in a board game. So how are you going to translate that to film, which can be challenging? The the script really got got it in that in that there's a they basically have the argument. Um, spoiler alert! Everyone's in here. Spoiler alert! There there is a wonderful. Uh, you know, standoff essentially between the two agents on on what they're what they're going to do and what they have to do and what's you know what's going to happen and uh, you know so it's a representing basically kind of the discussion that I just had. I got this from Scott's script. I didn't just make this up. Uh, what I was saying about look, we we're going to have to do this one way or another. Even if it's an innocent person, they still have to go. So the idea is that through through a Mexican standoff, right? One character, uh, Winifred, has the gun on Grimes. Is like, okay, you're going to let this thing out, and he's like, no, I'm not. But I won't say what happens after that. Yeah, we got to leave something for uh, for our listeners' imagination and for the for the viewers' imagination when they see it. Um, I'm I'm curious, Kickstarter wise. Um, you know, uh, when I think about a Kickstarter, I think of like if someone has an idea, they kickstart it, they get a bunch of money, and they go do it. You, you've obviously you, you've got a couple. You have a script, you have some actors, you have a DP. You, I know you've been to some locations and shot some stuff. So, like, where does the Kickstarter come in this process of making a movie? It's it's essentially uh, the money to do the production, which is the actors. Herbert's a SAG actor, and so he's he's not coming cheap. Um, and, and being a SAG union, Screen Actors Guild, SAG is Screen Actors Guild. So it's a union and coming in with a union, there's, there's, um, pension and health is included in addition to payroll. He's got to be an employee. So we have employee taxes. Um, and then there's certain how long you can work, how many hours you can work. Um, he gets to travel because we're shooting out in the desert, the Mojave desert. So he's got to travel. There's a per diem. Um, the other actor, Brenda, also has to get a certain amounts. So there's um, th- there's expenses that are in that come in as well as say monster effects and any kind of effects that we're going and some props and um, you know things that, that we have to get. There's there's not a lot, but the the Kickstarter basically just fuels 
all of all of that props costumes um, um, you know vehicle uh, rental um, you know effects plus the actors food for the crew crew pay because I want to I really believe in paying cast and crew as much as possible you know it's it, it, it's really difficult to, to get good people without without paying them something and what I tell people is look I'm gonna underpay you <laughs> not what you're worth but I'm gonna pay you it's my hope. So that's that's what Kickstarter helps with. That's what it basically is the fuel for the car that we're trying to ride in. So what is the timeline looked at? So, you know, if, if someone listens to this, uh, I guess now it's September 2019. Uh, if someone listens to this, you know, early October, are uh, they going to see the movie yet? Or what's the timeline? If they, if they, if they listen to it then, no, it's too late. <laughs> the Kickstarter <laughs> done. So, uh, yeah, so we're behind in the Kickstarter, but we're hoping, um, you know, Ken might be able to go back to his pad of guys, which he's going to do in just a couple of days and we'll, we'll see what happens. It's entirely possible. We don't make the, the funding. So we are, we are low. We do need to make some funding, but we'll see what happens. Um, it is, it is increasing every day. We're getting more people every day. Um, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but we're looking at, Alternative plans, contingency plans. Ken and I are talking about this, and we are still um, we still want to make a movie, and I'm I'm sure Scott still wants to make a movie. So we will. You know, we're already kind of like, okay, what's what's our plan B if this doesn't if this doesn't work out? So we're we're planning. It might mean a different Kickstarter for a different project, or you know, slightly different project, or something like that. But um, yeah, it is brutal. It it is it is rough, and it's tough to to get this stuff. Um, you know, especially you got to be very clear that this is not a Delta Green movie for sure. For sure, I have to I have to be specific about that because we we have yes. the rights to the script, but not to the Delta Green name. So it's specifically not a Delta Green movie. You heard that, listeners? It is not a Delta Green movie. Wink, wink. I mean, yeah, I think just I like how Unspeakable Oath is no longer a Delta Green magazine. That's, that's, that's different. Ooh, that's different. Ooh, ooh, harsh. Uh, I, I think I said Delta Green adjacent, which I think is probably copyright safe. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's just because uh, the, the rights are, are um, I don't know if I should say this, but we, we do not have the rights to the Delta Green IP, but we can do the script. And part of the movie, too, part of the Kickstarter isn't that, um, this is going to be sold commercially. In other words, if, if you're donating, you're not going to get a, a DVD of the movie. It's going to be free, right? And that that also goes with SAG. SAG um, Union. If we commercially distributed the movie, like if we stream, you know, streamed it on Hulu or whatever, if we're fortunate to do that, then we have to renegotiate with the actors with, with the SAG actors. So the movie, if it gets funded, uh, is free for everybody to see, which I think is better too. I would love people to see this and get into um you know if not delta green but this this whole kind of idea of stuff uh, of the government conspiracy and and even the themes that are in here and it could be a gateway drug it's an interesting way to put it well, i mean need to know is the gateway scenario so that's that fits it's, it fits yeah exactly so I, I i have a couple of non uh film questions i, I don't want to make the jump unless other folks are there anybody, anybody else have any other questions about the movie I was going to ask Aaron what uh, what can you tell us about these two these two agents that are in the film? Uh, the two agent, the two character agents. Yeah, yeah, your prof- profession, uh, stat distribution, where they spent their bonus skills, motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Motivations um, is good. Um, in in all honesty, <laughs> uh, I can't 
but Brenda can because she has a character sheet with the answer. So I can't. Oh, nice. nice. But but Brent, she has her character sheet for Agent Winifred. Uh, she has it. That's good. Um, I can nice. tell you that um, she went on four missions be- prior to this one, and one of them was the Call of Cthulhu scenario in um, Stygian Fox's Things We Leave Behind called Ladybug, Ladybug Fly Away Home by uh, Oh, Jeff shit, Miller. I, wish, I wish Jake was here, because Jake uh, is fucking crazy for that scenario. Yeah. He ran it that for a good Night of the Opera. He ran it for his, his wife. He fucking loves that scenario. That's great. Yeah, so that's that was her, that was Agent Winifred's third scenario i believe and i was gonna run just haven't had the time but i was gonna run um another one because um in in the script agent grimes is that they meet for the first time they they're on this mission for the first time so grimes uh says uh look this is a blind date i want to know what depth you're pressurized to that's that's glancy's words and um, that, that so she does sound like Glancy. That's Glancy, and uh, and she goes, "You want a war story?" And he goes, "Sure." And she mentions um, a serpent fighting a serpent cult. So I, I was trying to find something like that, and I was actually going to use um, um, the chapter in Chaosium's two-headed serpent in Oklahoma. If you know the two-headed serpent, it's a pulp Cthulhu campaign. If you, it's pulp, but I read it and uh, it involves a serpent cult. Duh, duh. And, um, but it's in Oklahoma and I was going to update it. It was in the 30s, but it would be easy to update to a modern day and do that one as one of her, uh, uh, one of her missions. So we were looking at missions. She, she's got stats and the motivations. Um, I, we made it up. She remembers, I believe she, um, bonds are like her father and um i know she's got a high charisma and power i think it was like kind of the mid-range stat block like the the pre thing stat blocks and she uh oh, <laughs> hang on a second my cat is going a little crazy i think this talk is is driving her nuts i feel like for the snake scenario you obviously should have used snakes on a plane um i did look at snakes on a plane uh in the shotgun scenarios i was looking at snakes on a plane oh yeah yeah i was looking for all kind of stuff to be serpent wise so um we just haven't had time but but yeah i was looking at it there's that one and then uh dole wrote us a serpent based adventure and then there's one about snakes that i don't know our cup runneth over there are there are many snake themed scenarios to choose from indeed there's unfriendly which isn't about a cult but which is about an agent who is secretly a snake that's a good one but uh that's that's a that's a a cool track to go down that um the character sheet should be uh one of the things you could do for kickstarter rewards is do and not 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 to tell you how to do your job but um one of the tiers could be like the the sheet for um the two (laughs) characters just do like the, the form fillable pdf character sheet oh that's awesome that's great so one of the tiers that it's really mentioning is uh, uh, I don't know how many minutes it is, but it's a, a one or a two minute rant by Glancy about it's something. Two minutes. Uh, and I played a game with him at this year's Necronomicon in Providence near me, um, and he began to rant about something, and I was like, "Stop! You'll be ranting about that later." That's my Glancy rant. <laughs> that does seem like to to get drunk and yell yell about stuff. You should just go and talk to him at the role playing public radio room at the friggin' Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Then you have to physically travel to Indianapolis, and this is for everybody right. who can't make that Right, that costs thousands of dollars, and this one is only, what, like $30, $40, $50? $40, I think. I just checked the page. This is probably the smartest uh, reward, I think. This is the one I've seen people talking about the most. And you guys also have, I think, you and Glancy will run Delta Green for people if they pledge like $200. 
Yeah, um, the the Woolry uh, run, it could be Call of Cthulhu also, uh, something like that. But yeah, the glancing one, I should look. And and we have to credit Cody Goodfellow because he's the one who suggested it. I have to, yeah, it's 40 bucks for a glancing run, plus everything else, right? Plus you get the movie and reports and you get all the good stuff. But Cody Goodfellow, we, he was doing a reading at the at, uh, down here in Los Angeles, and Cody and I ran the the southern end of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival for seven years in San Pedro. So we hooked up and we're talking, you know, over uh, margaritas at the bar. And I was explaining the movie, and he goes, "You know what you should do? She could glancy to rant, you know, like an egg timer and a glass of whiskey." And I go, "Done!" <laughs> and it's in the it's in the rewards. Yeah, it's it's perfect. So so speaking of physically going to Indianapolis. Uh, I know you have been to Gen Con once or twice. Uh, I know you used, or at least I know I've only been there two years, 2018, 2019. In 2018, you facilitated a Delta Green uh, LARP live action role playing game. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, there was, there was two of them. I, I went to, my Gen Con history actually goes back. I was in, um, uh, I went to the one in Milwaukee as a high school graduation present in 19. 19- 80 something. Uh, so, uh, and then I was started going to Indianapolis in the past couple of years and, um, Delta green LARP. Yeah. I pitched that to Shane over at Art dream years ago. And a friend of mine was going to do a LARP version of Dresden files, Dresden files. And when the new Delta green came out, uh, you know, the new role playing game, I'm like, Oh my God, this has to be a LARP. And I know that uh, uh, Robert McLaughlin did a um, Delta Green version of Cthulhu Live. Uh, I have that supplement, but I wanted to get one that was that was specific because I've been LARPing for 30 years, and I love Delta Green and I love LARPing. And I'm like, ooh, 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 I want to I want to try and do this and basically pull out all the stops that that I've learned from from LARPing uh, and try and put these together. So I've actually done two. Um, one in, let me think, what year are we? 2018 and 2017. So I've done both of those as play tests for what I'm hoping to be, whenever I can write this thing, a Delta Green Lark. And I can talk many, many things about it, but those two were, um, were play tests of them. And I can talk about them or I can talk about the Lark in general or both or whatever you guys want. But ask me one of those questions first. I've never been arrested because a Delta Green LARP sounds like a great way to get arrested. It does. And so one of the things that I was going to do is present a little card that says, hello, you're probably wondering what we're doing. And it's a little FAQ <laughs> for, for a card that's, that you hand out. really clever, yeah. You literally, well, and this is all stuff that happened because, you know, like I said, I've been LARPing for 30 years and and I was at some boffer thing in a park and these people come up and they see people running around in fake medieval outfits and they're hitting each other with foam swords and they're like, what is going on? I mean, this happens all the time. And so you you either risk having someone, you know, call, call the police on you or you, you know, do something. I'm like, just hand them this card and say, here's what you're doing. Um, so that's one way. The second thing is that the um, the mechanic for, for uh, gunfire is for right now, there's a couple things I'm trying to test. Um, but the one we used at the Delta Green, uh, I mean, the Gen Con LARPs was flashlight tag, that you had flashlights. So hopefully it doesn't look so threatening because, yeah, in, in today's world, you know, I can just imagine a person of color playing this. And I in the original Ooh. Delta Green, um, there was there was a, a supplement for it and it's rarely seen today. Uh, but this, I think, was a very pre 9-11 book where they had instructions on how to um, make like an object that looked like a pipe bomb. 
as a prop. <laughs> Ouch. Yikes. I think that uh, maybe with Marco, who was not 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 anyone here, but a dude on our um, on our Discord who was posting like because he he'd finally found a copy and he was posting all the stuff from it, and there were instructions on how to make different props, and I'm pretty sure one of them was an IED of some kind. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I used to. I used to do a lot of airsoft, uh, facilitating airsoft scenario games and milsim and stuff. And uh, that was a real problem because people wanted to look the part, but then they also want to go to McDonald's up the street with their guns and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you, ha- you have to not do that. And like, I remember, I remember making a bunch of um, C- a bunch of cocaine brick props and dynamite stick props and then driving to the place with them in my trunk being like, if I get pulled over, I'm going to have to be like, officer, I have to disclose a few things before we start talking. One, I appear to have a Sinaloa cartel of cocaine <laughs> in my back trunk. It's not real. Let me just show you. Yeah, there's we we kind of get it here in Hollywood because I know there was a special effects guy who was like coming from a shoot and it was a horror movie and he had like a corpse in the back, you know, realistic looking corpse in the back and, and got pulled over. And and fortunately I remember, okay, I'm an I was a movie special effects artist. Please understand I'm coming from the shoot. There is a effects of a body. Before you open the trunk to search, please know this. I uh, I don't want to tell the whole story in, in this segment. Maybe I'll do it in an after show. But I was coming back from Columbia one time with the military, and I had entered Columbia on a boat, so I didn't have an ent- I didn't have an entrance visa or entrance stamp for Columbia, just an exit exit stamp. When I got to uh, Hartsfield Atlanta Airport, my bag popped positive for co- the ion scan positive for cocaine residue because it had had cocaine in it, uh, and I had like no luggage, and my ticket was like one way bought with cash the day before, and I was like, here are my military orders. Here's my ID. Let's get this over with. <laughs> this is going to look bad. Thankfully, I'm a white guy and I got away with it. Um, so uh, why no 2019 Gen Con Delta Green LARP? I, I, I wanted to and I thought about it, but I just knew there's no way I would make this. I, I completely overbooked myself. So in addition to the, to the movie, I'm, I'm doing an immersive play. It's not Delta Green related, but it is Supernatural related. And uh, uh, it was just, there's no way I would be able to do it. And part, part of the issue is that just I overbook myself, which probably you can tell uh, by looking at all these things going on. Um, and uh, uh, getting out to Gen Con, just both time and money would just be too, too crushing to be able to do it. So, um, so I want to take a year off. And uh, and kind of just work on it. And and besides that, I didn't really have an idea for another scenario. Um, I kind of the two the first two I did came pretty quickly, and I'm like, okay, I could see those. But then the muse did not bless me with her kiss of inspiration in the in the intervening years. So I just said it'd probably better just sit tight for a bit and uh, and and work on some other stuff. In in lieu of, I've been getting a bunch of ideas for Delta Green scenarios. I've been I've gotten pages and pages of those that I want to try and start writing out and getting those out. Regular tabletop ones. So are, are we going to see uh, Delta Green Gen Con Lab 2020 or is it too early to say? Too early to say, but but um but it is a really good idea. I'd love to get back out there. I I, I miss Gen Con, and I probably will have even just some tabletops that that I'll want to run. But yeah, 2020 Delta Green LARP is is possible. It is definitely possible. And generally, the only way to make it happen is to find the final report of Henry Barra on Kickstarter, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> kicks. Yes, exactly. All right, so let's uh, let's say. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, all right, I lost my entire train of thought. I'm not going to talk anymore. Someone else. Someone else asked a question. <laughs> 
I could talk about um, I, I could talk more about the LARPs, uh, or I could talk about Delta Green Audible if you know about that. Ooh, what's this? I hadn't heard about this. Go on. Yes. So uh, one of the other things that I had an idea for there was a there was it was kind of um, let me see how I could start this. There was a Hollywood development guy that I met that was interested in HP Lovecraft stuff and was kind of searching on HP Lovecraft who he was, what he did, and we connected because we're both in Los Angeles and. I ran the film festival, and so I'm like, hey, I can talk about Lovecraft and movies and stuff. And uh, we were talking about different, a whole bunch of different things. One is like an independent script that Ken Lobb, not that Ken Lobb, my Ken Lobb, and I wrote, and I gave it to him, and he wanted to take a look at it. I mean, he wanted to change it around, and um, we said no, but but Ken and I got together because of it. That kind of was the catalyst for us to, to do Final Report of Henry Barrow. But one of the other ideas that... Um, that this development guy had was doing audio versions of stuff. And he was reading Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu. He was reading Delta Green. He said, you should do an audio version of this. And I said, this is a great idea. And, um, you know, it, it took a while, but Shane was for it and everything. So I have in my inbox right now um, kind of the final corrections of an audible uh, version of Need to Know. So, and that's our test. So we did Need to Know as an audible audible um, version that you'll that you'll be able to get, and um, hopefully somewhat soon. Like I said, I got all these other things, but but I have like the final corrections. I'm bouncing them back to Shane um, for his approval, and uh, and hopefully this works. We can do more of these. I would love to do more audio versions of of Delta Green stuff, either the rule books or the modules or what I would love to get to. And I have a bunch of ideas about this. Is actually some um, kind of like PDF interactive audio accompanying scenarios or an audio choose your own adventure type Delta Green. I've got a couple ideas for those. So this need to know is a, is a test, you know, is, is our trial balloon. So hopefully this does well and people want more of it because I'd love to do more of it. I was watching uh, Shark Tank because it was the only thing on TV uh, last week and they had a, a children's book where you would put the app on, you read the children's book and when it heard you read certain things, it would do audio, like play a choo-choo train or thunder crash or whatever. And we've talked on the show before about sounds in, in gaming and stuff and, um, and you, on your tabletop game. And the reason I don't do much of that personally is I don't have the ability to manage all that at once. But if I had an app that would, if I knew if I said something or read a line of, line of dialogue, it would automatically give me a cue or something. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. My, my, idea on a lot of them would would be that you could theoretically queue up like say a description or an npc says something or you know you ask them some questions and and they say their things um some like of the stuff soundboard? yeah i know if, if you if you haven't checked out yet um sirenscape um it has an app with a bunch of sound effects and i know they did some for call of cthulhu um for master on lathotep um they've done some sound things like that uh so there's gunfire and things like that i don't know if they have a modern one i haven't looked but I, it's mostly DD and fantasy stuff but they have a bunch of um i don't even know what they call them a skin or a you know a soundscape of like a certain scenario with a bunch of sound effects and it has ambient music that you can play depending if it's a chase or a combat or whatever and then they've got other sound effects that can drop in so you can just hit a little button and cue the the gunshots or the growling of the monster and things like that. But that's Sirenscape, uh, S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E, to give them a shout-out. They've got my money, and now they get a shout-out. 
uh, until they pay us our, our booking fee, they're going to get bleeped out. Oh, I'll call obviously, them. you'll need to send us your $5,000 <laughs> uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we're part of PAG, the Podcast Actors Guild, so you got to pay all of our rates, too. Was, is that what Perfect. the A stands for? Podcast Audio Guild? Something like know. that. Um, I've spoken often on this this podcast about my my love of of audio and uh, anything that can get more people into using multimedia to scare the living shit out of their players. I am one hundred percent behind. Yeah, I uh, came from a LARPing. Like I said, I come from a LARPing background, and so I do crazy kind of shit with my Call of Cthulhu games and stuff like that. So I I hold I would love to hear more about that as a guy who's never really gotten into LARPing but does crazy augmented reality shit at the tabletop anyway. I would I would love to hear more about that. Um I'll I'll give you one uh I'm, I'm let's see I got two examples. Uh the first one is one that I've actually run. It was a Call of Cthulhu scenario and um I have a a Miskaton- way back in the early days in the Miskatonic repository uh Zil- First thing I got, I think, with Chaosium, it's a dual scenario called Farewell My Sanity, and it's about a detective agency in the <laughs> 20s. Um, yeah, uh, they take place in Los Angeles. So the first one, they're, they're deep ones in Venice, which is right where I live, Venice, California. The second one is on Catalina. Um, but the third scenario, which I didn't publish, was um, in the 20s, this, this disheveled man in a stage magician's tuxedo suit walks into the agency and it looks like he hasn't slept in ages and he's sniffling um, because he's been taking cocaine and says, I I need you to solve a murder. And hopefully the players go, well, who died? And he's like, I did. And um, (laughs) he needs you to, it's from the DOA. So the movie, uh, old classic noir movie called DOA. And um, what happens is his his second self was killed in the dreamlands and he needs the he's a hypnotist, stage hypnotist, and he needs the the investigators to um, go into the dreamlands and find out why he got killed because he can't sleep in anything. And so when I run this, I so at the table, I literally hold a watch in front of the player and, and start talking to him. I put headphones on and play a track of me saying the hypnotism words and then it drifts off into an ambient track by Lustmord and then it goes and then I blindfold them and then I do that to each person while they're all blindfolded listening to this ambient track of like weird me you know telling their hypnotism and weird stuff I completely changed the room so I light candles I put weird artwork props and scents I completely changed the rule the room around and then what that when they're ready to come out they lift their hand and then I like take the blindfold off and the headphones off and I go okay you wake up in this cavern of flame and the room is totally different so that's just some one example of crazy crap that I do that's really good yeah, that's really impressive. Bravo, bravo. Um, and I got one that I thought of a Delta Green scenario that I just had this twisted idea uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, uh, it involves live earthworms. Oh. I, I don't want to say more, but uh, yeah, this is something that uh, I might play test at the Dead of Winter convention, which which I will give a shout out to, because um, that, that gets some Delta Green stuff. Morgan, who... Uh, and a couple other people are really into Delta Green and, and stuff. Dead of Winter is Matt Steele's uh, all-horror role-playing game convention. It's invite-only. Uh, it takes place in December at a haunted hotel in Northern California. And it's all 
uh, horror role-playing games. Why uh, would you shout it, was... it out if it's invite-only? That seems counterintuitive. <laughs> it's a total tease, but because you want to get on the list, you want to <laughs> yeah, get. No, of course. He he. It's um because what he does is he he uh does it as Friday night. There's absolutely no gaming. It's just sit and hang and talk to people because you never rarely get a chance to do that. And then there's a Saturday day game, a Saturday night game, a Sunday day game, a Sunday night game. So there's four games. Each one six hours. Each one has six players plus one GM. So what? So however many there are, it's the multiple of seven. So everybody's in a game, and uh, he, you pick the ones you want to be in, and then he puts you in ones because he knows the GM and the scenario, and he goes, "Ooh, this person would be great in this game." And he wants to do stuff that's really different this year because there's another plug. I ran um, the playtest of uh, Wormwood Arena at Gen Con way back when um, uh, Greg Stolze's scenario, I believe it's, um, what's the one? No, I'm sorry, Star Chamber, not Wormwood, Star Chamber, the one where you play the agents getting a debriefing, yeah, right? Is that it? Star Chamber, that one's good. Yeah, so I, I, it was the play test of Star Chamber and I needed another player. I only had like three players and Matt Steele walks into the room out of nowhere. He didn't, I didn't even know he was there. And I go, Oh my God, Matt, I need you in this game right now. And he goes, okay. And played it. And he, it blew his mind. He loved this idea. If, if your listeners are familiar with the star chamber, you're playing Delta green agents, hearing a debriefing of a mission gone wrong. And you play those other agents in the mission and you go back. And what's amazing about it is depending on who's talking, the, the main character that's saying, you know, when you're asked, what happens and they're explaining it, all the characters conform to that person's point of view of them. So if two agents don't, they don't like each other, when the one agent A is talking about it, agent B comes off as like a total ass. And when agent B talks, character A comes off as a total ass. So it's a very Rashomon look of, of, a, of a Delta Green scenario. It's, it's brilliant. So I ran that for Matt and he just loved it. And he goes, okay, I want to do different things. Just push game mastering of role-playing games like let's let's push the envelope of what it means to run a tabletop game and i've been doing that for years with larp so i got props i get guest people coming in to play npcs i do it in weird locations i've, I've run games at the old zoo at at museums at the beach so like i you know yeah that's me I mean, what is the process to request permission to run a game at an old zoo? Uh, well, there's a, there's a location you can look at. It's called the Old Zoo. It's in Burbank in, or in Griffith Park. And it literally, the, the, the Los Angeles Zoo moved. And so there's the Los Angeles Zoo, but then their old, like, bear pens or tiger pens are still there. And it's just like they're filled in and they got picnic tables. But look at it. You, you can see pictures of it online if you look up Old Zoo Griffith Park. And they've got these, like, big like fake rock statuary and like these dark passageways that lead up where the feeders would come down and feed them. And they have cages that you could get into. It's, it's, it's a trip. So we ran, you know, uh, uh, I used to run uh, dreamlands campaigns there at the old zoo and botanical gardens, like go to botanical garden, the museum of Jurassic technology in Los Angeles. Um, and that's something that I was inspired by Torin Atkinson lead singer of the darkest of the hillside thickets he like wanted to get gaming tabletop call clue gaming out of the, the living room or the dining room or wherever you are so he ran it like outside at a cabin in the woods and everybody had flashlights so i'm like oh my god torn's brilliant so i ran one of my scenarios in farewell my sandy the one with the deep ones in venice and i got um turn the lights out 
got dry ice and hot water, so it's bubbling fog all over the table, um, which gets the character sheets wet, by the way, and playing swamp sounds, and I give all the players a flashlight and when they're, when they're in the swamp uh, of Los Angeles. So it's those sort of things of adding the atmosphere, the lighting, the sound, music, props, location. Um, um, when I run, by the way, when I run Last Things Last, I have a, a mask that I bought of a of an old witch. So when the when the septic tank hatch opens, I kind of duck down behind my keeper or uh, handler screen and put the mask on and come and go. Ah! Yeah, th- those are things you lose running games online. Very much so. Well, I I, I want to try one for Into the Darkness. I, I pitched one, but he was like so backed up because I want to figure out like what can I do, you know, behind behind my little computer screen here uh to to you know increase yeah. the, the horror he actually was a player in one of my games at necronomicon one of, yeah. one of the guys from that show uh, tom right tom, his name. Is yes. it tom yeah tom Rayleigh. yeah um he had a good time or at least he said it did could have been lying to me so now i'm thinking and for our listeners uh don't do this it's illegal but um i used to do a lot of urban exploration now i'm thinking of like a top tier delta green move is to break into some old abandoned government facility and then run delta green for people <laughs> yeah yeah there that that might happen what's interesting is when i'm doing the larp rules so i do have an outline for the delta green larp and and it one of the big things i want to give is like handlers uh who who run this like advice on how to get locations, what what to do with the locations, um, how to handle stuff. Because a lot, for example, I'm thinking like you could do a lot just in your own apartment, right? If you if you say there was a murder here and it's your apartment and you kind of just get some fake blood stains somewhere that you have to clean it up, maybe some broken glass somewhere that you're that you're gonna you know twist or something, and you leave secret messages around. Or th- there's a lot that that people are able to do in smaller places, you know, a car, your car could be a, a place that they, they have to investigate. You just park it somewhere spooky, but the clues that the, that the players have to find are, are just in your car. So you can sort of handle that. There, there's a lot of ways that you can get away with it with, with very little and things that you, that you have. You, you drive, drive all your players out in the middle of the woods. And then from each of their phones, text a death threat to the president be like, all right, now you're in the real LARP buddy. And then drive away. Yeah. Go, go now. But there's there's a lot of stuff. Basically, there's a lot of stuff that that you can see sort of that I've been doing between movie production and role playing games, tabletop and LARPs and all three of those things mix and mingle in my creative stew. And so they all kind of spill back and forth between I'm doing a movie and I'm playing the role playing game for the character to build the character. And I do a tabletop role-playing game and I bring movie music and props from stuff and other actors and all this stuff to me is, is so similar that I love just ripping, ripping off what other people do from one medium of expression or art form and, and bringing it into another one. Well, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And I actually didn't expect to get into this little detail when we invited you on. So I'm glad you've been able to give us some some neat things and take it some places we didn't yeah. didn't plan for all of our all of I'm our pretty pre- pleased we're gonna get this questions, yeah. all of our pre-planned questions were like tell us about the movie tell us about kickstarter tell us about gas cans so some pretty neat <laughs> yeah yeah no i i love delta green and it really resonates delta green especially like i said i was call of cthulhu has been my favorite game but then once once that i you know i read the the early ones the pre 
Arc Dream version, uh, the Pagan Publishing one, and has been talking to Scott, you know, known him for like 15 years, and John wrote the script for my movie. But really, at this point in my life, at my age and reading this stuff, I'm like, this resonates, really resonates, the new Delta Green, and I just love it. And all I'm thinking of is scenarios and movies and, and you know, audio and, get, you know, any way that I could sort of bring this into stuff, just, I don't know, whatever reason, it struck the chord in my soul. That's good. Have we got anything if, else? Um, if you were to pick another Delta Green scenario to file off the serial numbers and make into a film what uh are there any that stick out as have as, that you think might have potential oi 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 jeez um it, well my next question would be like is money no object <laughs> let's um, assume so, that money is no object well, sure I, I think we should assume money is no object but realis- realism is so you're not going to shoot blacks at in space right like like how how far are we going to go um let's say you have a reasonable hollywood budget oh if it um jeez that's that's like a huge one i would probably I, I haven't um I haven't even read it, but I've always I'm kind of interested in um you know other than like night floors, but the new maybe the new impossible landscapes, um you know a king in yellow reality tripping sort of scenario I think would be absolutely bizarre and a trip to to get into um that, something like that. But I'd, I'd want like Guillermo del Toro to direct it. <laughs> I would want his weird ass vision on it. Like like the like the the lost uh, mountains of madness that he's supposed to do uh i'm uh you didn't ask all of us will but i'm definitely gonna answer the question i think lover in the ice would be a great movie yeah just alien? that'd be a good but one this is alien isn't it and alien's a great movie it was i mean i'm glad that you've come around to my my position that the amante is just a budget xenomorph i never disagreed with you what i said was i don't care that's fair i think that it looks stupid hopefully um you know you get like the um who's the guy who worked with john carpenter at all his practical effects Rob Bot, yeah. get Rob, get Rob Bot to do it. Botin, it's pronounced Botin. Get him to get get him to do it because he he would make it look less stupid. Did you guys see um um the Hidden with Kyle MacLachlan in the eighties? There's a movie called The Hidden that's in the eighties that that I kind of that uh, Lover in the Ice reminded me of. That sounds familiar. I think I might have seen it, but I don't remember it. Yeah, you guys want to check it out if you want to know a Lover in the Ice. It came and went a uh, theatrical, but it stars Kyle Kyle MacLachlan, who is a uh, uh, Twin Peaks detective, the the Twin Peaks. Agent, which is another great series. If you're into Delta Green, you got to see Twin Peaks, um, or at least the original version. Oh yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I can't remember who else stars. And I know it's Kyle MacLachlan. It's a low budget, but it did get theatrical release. It's called The Hidden. And um, yeah, spoiler alert: it, uh, hidden aliens in human bodies. Ooh. Uh, so I made almost everyone else here watch it because it's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite Delta Green movie. Uh, it's a low budget flick called Alien Raiders. You ever seen that? I did. Yeah, I got it at the um, at the Lovecraft Film Festival. That was by um, uh, Dan Merrick, I believe, who who was part of the Blair Witch Project. Was producer, director, or writer, nice. or something? Yeah. It, it when when people ask you what movie like fits a Delta Green scenario most, that's what comes to mind. It feels if to me, it feels just like a DG scenario that just spirals out of control in all the right ways. I'm and looking. The, the only place I can ever find it is there's a really crappy version uploaded to YouTube. I've never found it anywhere else. Um, I ended up I, I ended up buying a DVD and ripping it myself. But I've never I've never like seen it in a store, seen it on a streaming service, seen it to buy anywhere else. It's like kind of dead to the world. Just we're just sad. Yeah, it came and went. I'm looking at it. it was Ben Rock was the director and Ben was the production designer on the Blair Witch Project. So it wasn't it wasn't um, 
Dan. But yeah, he's a, did all the little stick stick figure witches in in um, the Blair Witch Project, and then he did uh, Alien Raiders. Turns out his first feature film as a director, released by Warner Home Video. So hopefully you can sort of find it. But yeah, it was amazing. And um, at the Lovecraft Film Festival, Glancy introduced it, and and it was oh, nice. great. To you know, because Scott kind of always introduces the the Delta Green like film, so he did the Oat Studios ones, um, uh, Firewatch or Firebase, and then there was another one. But Alien Raiders, he goes, this is one that like all the, it's in the middle of the movie where the agents are racing to do their thing. They already got their briefing, they already picked up their their equipment and their gear, and they're racing to the climax, and that's kind of like just before the movie starts. But yeah, Alien Raiders is amazing. I'll have to see. I'll have to give Glancy a heart. Uh, I'll have to get it with Glancy at some point and talk about how much we both enjoy it. I still haven't seen it. Didn't, were you not there at the opera, moving out of the opera when I made everybody watch it? No, I wasn't there for that one. Uh, I'll send you a... I'll send you... We'll get, we'll get together. It. It's, dude, it's wicked hard to find. And the YouTube version is really awful. All right. Uh, well, I guess... I feel uh, like that's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks Good for luck. taking time out of your, your busy schedule. Thanks so much for Definitely. having me. It's a, a long time, uh, you know, <laughs> hoping that you guys would give me the call. I'm very excited. Thank you. Honestly, I, I don't know if these guys, but I just I just didn't even think. I figured you'd be too busy. Winter time for a small time podcast like the old green box. Small but with heart. And it, don't say it's small. It's dense. You guys are dense, dense. <laughs> Yes. Yes, we are very, very dense. I have been told that. We are the only... Delta Green podcasts in the world. That's the right. only all Delta Green podcasts in the world, except when we talk about other things. Except when we talk about other things. Yeah, so thanks for coming on, man. Um, listeners, be sure to check the description for links to the Kickstarter thing. Go go give this man your money. <laughs> it sounds like you'll be giving Boomer your money. And you know, what, what better? That's the American dream right there. Give a yes. Boomer your money. 